Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's no surprise that there's different fad diets that come out every year. Because if any of the fad diets actually worked, there wouldn't be any room for new ones popping up. Hello. Hello. God, I look like a queen. You look very pretty. You look very pretty. Because we're off out to your baby shower tonight. Exactly. Well, my friend called her the baby sprinkle the other day, which I really liked. It was her second kid and she was like, I don't really want to do like the whole shower thing. So I'm calling it a sprinkle, which I loved. And it cost her her thing. So I'm just trying to find my own thing because I can just hear my mum's voice in my head being like, a oh, baby shower is so American. Like, no, no, no. Baby drizzle. I think baby drizzle. Yeah, okay, we'll have a baby drizzle. I like yeah, that. Sold. You know? Baby drizzle. Yeah. It's also a little bit like bleak and gloomy, which I quite like. <laughs> and it is foul weather outside and it is dark because we're doing it for dinner because literally no reason. We're just having a dinner. I don't want, I didn't want to take it. I've, I've taken a lot of weekends up this year from you guys. We had the hen, we had the wedding. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be reasonable. <laughs> we'll do a dinner. <laughs> And it's going to be a very nice dinner. It's at a very nice restaurant. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice. I was going to say something. At, it is bad weather. That's what I was going to say. Because <laughs> you know I like to talk. You know I like to talk about the weather. I, do. I did my hair because I mean I've been out all day, but I knew that we were had the baby shower tonight. So I was like, I want to. I mean, I told you I dressed up, and now I'm I'm in my jumper. But like, I've got a satin skirt on Ooh. and my boots and tights. I've got tights on, um, and I did my hair. Like I curled it I all nice, and then nice. it's just been. I think you look pretty. Really? I do, yeah. But I also I'm I'm standing by myself. I think it's growing at a great rate. Oh my god, M- my mum said yesterday your hair doesn't look thin. <gasps> Oh my god, I know. Norma, we have graduated over Christmas. She said it doesn't normally look shiny, and now it's almost shiny. And now she's saying it doesn't look. Th- One day, I know. You know what? I I reckon at some point in March she's going to tell you that it looks quite nice. I I think we're not far off. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're not. I, I still got a bit of work to this do. This skin deal is honestly, worth its weight in gold. Honestly, you're getting this love is. from your mother. Also, like when I started doing it, I was like, oh my God, another thing to add to my ratio, another thing to put on my whiteboard. But it's actually slot in very well, along with Simprove. The whiteboard has transformed my relationship with Simprove. I'm taking it every single day without fail. Proud of you. Look at you go. Yeah. 
Oh, while this is up, I had a lot of messages from podcast listeners about the discount code not working. I have specific specific parameters for the discount code. If it's for new customers in the UK, so new email addresses in the UK, read between the lines, and um, it's M50 on the flexible fle- flexible three month subscription. This is not part of the ad. This is just doing you a favor because it expired. Like it won't be fifty percent in February. So it's fifty percent now on the three month subscription. You can cancel it any time. So basically, you can cancel it on the fourth month if you want when it goes back to full price. So if it's so so I've already ordered, so I won't be, I won't be able to use it. Is that right? No, but if Dave ordered some. Ah, and Dave might want to order some. Dave, I've heard that Dave has interest in aiding his gut microbiome. That's, <laughs> I've heard it on the pipeline. You would be correct. <laughs> yeah, the, the, not the pipeline, the grapevine. Got my ear the to the drain. So I'm like, wait, is that Dave's? Is that Dave gut microbiome? <laughs> he has expressed some interest, I'm sure. Yeah, so 100%. there we go. Dave will be purchasing some Simproof. Good for him. Okay, so there you go. Well, that's our that's our gut microbiome sorted. That's our gut sorted. <laughs> Tell me something good, Alex Light. Tell you something good. Tell me something um, good. I went to Vienna with my parents. Oh, and way. it was all on my own. And oh my god, got a flight all by myself for the first time in a long time. Obviously, you know, for a really long time. So like, was quite worried, but I made it. It was fine. <laughs> and. Yeah, I mean, I spent the most wonderful two days. I think I've, like, spending time with your parents alone, spending time with one parent alone is obviously very hard to come by, never mind two. So I felt very lucky and very fortunate, and it was just so cool. I just, I pretended to be the only child I never was, you know? Well, the only child I was for two and a half years before Jen came along and and ruined my life. But, um, (laughs) yeah. I went. I went back to the good old days when I was two. The third wheeling on your parents for their romantic trip. I'm obsessed with the fact that you weren't. Like I'm obsessed with it. I've got all these pictures of us, like, and I'm in the middle taking the, taking the picture, the selfie, and they're behind me, and it looks like I've been photoshopped myself into all of them. Um, it was just wonderful. It was it was absolutely wonderful. So so yeah, you're adorable. I'm so happy for That's you. That's my good. I love that. What's your good? Well, I think my good, hmm, 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 you know what, I'm just getting, I just, I've had a, I've had a really oddly, I'm in a very positive, okay, no, that's not entirely true, when we started this phone call, I was just like, I'm in such a rage, I just want to punch something, but as you did predict, I've snapped out of it pretty quick, such is my life. Um, it's incredible, honestly, the, 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 your capacity to literally switch your mood on a dime is just unbelievable i know it's such a skill There's almost something wrong with me <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's a little it's definitely borderline something wrong with neurotic you. in how quickly yes. it can go and i just manic <laughs> yes it's very manic I might be the word very manic yeah. yes yeah, yeah i do identify with that <laughs> that does feel right <laughs> to me is that sitting well yeah um, geez. yeah a little bit a little bit yeah i do oh, i feel like i've just had a real breakthrough there <laughs> wow um should we, I saw a, should we get a psychiatrist yeah, I on the saw podcast? a meme earlier that was just like um this guy was like i i tried to type i'm on my way earlier but autocorrect changed it to i'm in my way and i've just had this huge therapy breakthrough i was like whoa <laughs> oh my god that's so good <laughs> oh my god I think I've just had a breakthrough 
Oh my god, I'm in my way. And I'm manic. I'm in my, I'm in my own way. And you're manic. Who you? I feel like a lot wow. of people know. Um, so yeah, I mean, my good. I'm just having quite a good life, you know. Um, I'm I'm so heavy. Um, good for you. Thanks. But so my good started as a bad, but it's just ended up being quite like punchy. So love. Um, if you've been following me on Instagram, if you've been following the saga, basically. The Daily Mail ran a shitty article about me a couple of days ago and they stole mm. Alex Cameron's photos of me and, yeah, they uploaded yeah. them onto the Daily Mail website and they printed them, but they didn't credit her and they didn't pay her. Like, they didn't ask her permission and they didn't, like, they didn't pay her, whatever. So she fought them because she's cool and she won. So they took down... Yes. The, not only did they take down the article, obviously it was too late for the one in print, um, but they took down the article off offline and they've paid her like, they've paid her like two grand or 1500, no, two grand, I think, for the images, which is what they're worth, which is great. Good. Um, and she is an absolute babe and she's donating a portion of it to the pregnancy sickness support charity. Um, oh, which is that's really so cool. Cute. Yeah. Um, that's really cute. And then I, I said, I was like, babe, you just pocket it. You deserve it. Like, fuckers. They're going to steal your shit. Yeah. Anyway, she's a nicer person than me because she's donating some. But um, so, yeah, like, it was just, I just really enjoy winning <laughs> against them. Also, yeah. I loved the support that I had on my Instagram. Like, when I shared what they wrote. Actually, it was fucking rank what they wrote. The headline. It was so rank. It was about me being, like, Clarkson Girl. So not even using my name. Clarkson Girl dons skimpy top gear. And it's like, okay, why are you calling me a girl when I'm, like, right. incredibly pregnant? And two, why are you calling me a girl when you're sexualizing me? Like, it's, like, infantilization. It's sexualization. It's just so rank like don't sexualize a maternity shoot and don't call mm. a pregnant woman in this sexy shoot that you've labeled a girl oh rank also you're a 28 year old woman woman i'm literally you're not in married. your teens i think this you're not is a baby speaking of like therapy breakthrough i think this is where a lot of my like not imposter syndrome but like my, yeah i guess imposter syndrome has come from is it's like they have constantly I don't know. Sorry, I've been sick again. Um, yeah, I don't. They've constantly like infantilized me. Like I'm always a daughter or a girl, daughter, girl, daughter, and I'm like, woman, right. woman, mother, wife. Yeah. Like, call me what I am. It's really weird that like I'm growing up, but they're not letting me. It's like I'm still a child. And even yeah. then, why do you want to write about a child so much? Like, ugh, just they give me the fucking ick. It's man. so. It's so but gross. It's so good icky. News. Good news is that we took naked photos with Alex Cameron and they are not going to print those fucking things now after the stink we've caused. <laughs> so I've bought... Because I keep saying... Yeah. You know, I, I got a bit of shit in the comments being like, oh, well, you know, no, you wouldn't be relevant if they didn't write about you and blah, blah. I'm like, I'm, I don't want to be fucking relevant to them. Like, I'm let me be irrelevant i don't want anyone to give a shit i don't want to second guess everything i fucking say because they're going to twist it i want to be left alone i don't you're not asking for relevance no you're not asking for relevance and also what you do i am your work your career your career is entirely independent of anyone else apart from maybe me now because we're like forever intrinsically linked yeah 100 (laughs) but it's completely independent it's completely independent of anyone else so 
like relevance is is irrelevant. How'd you say? There you go. Relevance is relevant. I just it's redundant to, to talk. You. Yeah, I don't know. It's just oh, it just, really really irritates just, me. Get off, it's so the bad. Get on my goat. Yeah, get, no, get, on. get on my hang goat. On. Get up my goat. No, don't get up my goat. Fucking get up hell, my goat. Al. Get no, up my goat. stop saying get up my goat. Get, but why would you get be getting on my goat? You'd be way too big to ride a goat. Oh my god, get on my goat. Yeah, it gets. Oh no, no. To annoy. Oh someone. no, it gets. It just gets my gets my goat, not get on my goat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's get on my nerves and uh, I get that my goat. This image of everyone. <laughs> I'm going to get on my goat right. I am so annoyed with you. I'm going to go get on my goat. I'm going to ride my goat out of here. Oh, oh God. But no, it, it was really disgusting. And I was so proud of the way... I've, I was so proud of you for, like, talking about it, like, publicly and just putting them on blast because that's what they deserve. And that's what we need to do is just, like, continue to call them out. And eventually, hopefully, one day, they'll shut the fuck up. Yeah, because I think people, you know, comment and they're like, oh, well, stop giving it attention, blah, blah, blah. And I genuinely think it's really important that we point this stuff out because it is a very, very subtle microaggression, this, like... Yes. Using, I don't think it's subtle. No, I mean, you. the language they use, right, when it's like, girl, don, scum, skimpy, top girl, whatever, there's nothing actually overtly offensive in that. You read that and you're not like, oh, this is oh, the, how, this is such an inflammatory headline. You just, it's, it is subtle in that the way that they write, it just gets you down. It's so pervasive in that it's like the words flaunting, spilling out of showing off all of these words are synonymous with being too much and the way that we think about women changes as a result because you end up thinking oh she's flaunting it she's showing off she's spit like she's too she's falling out of something she's displaying her curves she's showcasing her figure and all of it is you just it is subtle because you do start thinking like oh god this fucking bitch man like she's just really rubbing it in my face when she isn't she's just existing in her body but you like yeah you you that's the way that you interpret it after a while because it's so prevalent all of this language and i think that's what i love calling out here because i can see the shifts in people when people reply in a comment they're like actually this is really gross and you don't realise how gross it is until you point until it's pointed out sometimes. Do you know what I mean? So I like Totally, out yeah, a lot these, of it's like, subliminal messaging. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, we've just got so yeah. used to the like tabloid rhetoric in this country and it's fucking gross. Like it, the, the way we talk about women. I, I really don't I I also really don't agree with the whole like don't bring attention to it. We've probably talked about this before, but like on two levels, number one, someone can't tell you can't tell you what to do and say about things that affect you and also I don't agree on that's like on an individual level but like on a collective level I don't think it's good to not bring attention to things that are wrong of course it isn't like how else are we going to like learn that they're like you said learn that they're wrong grow move on from it heal like we can't we have to point those things out yeah Call me Prince Harry. I hate that. Like, don't grow it. Don't bring attention to it. It's like, well, you just you ignore know. it. It'll go away. That, that is the one thing. If you it ever doesn't hear go me away. Saying that it grows. It punch me in the head. If you ever hear it me never saying, grows, just, oh, it just never goes away. It. Just ignore it. No. 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 It grows. It festers yeah. and lingers. We're gonna talk and about it and no. we're gonna work it out. Absolutely. Stunning. So yeah, excellent news. Yes, it was. Anything else? Oh, an awkward, an awkward that's an old awkward, but I was reminded of it and I need to bring it back up because... What did you do? It's 
it made my skin crawl all over again. So when I used to work at Hello Magazine, there was a cafe, a cafe next door. And we used to meet um, PRs in there, like all the journalists from Hello would like often do their PR meetings in there, like go for coffee with them and stuff. Um, so one morning I was meeting a PR um, and she was from a beauty brand. And so I walked into this cafe and I saw this girl. Hi, I know you. Went to sit down, sat down. We started chatting and I think I ordered a coffee and it started to dawn on me as we were chatting and like, you know, when your blood runs hot and cold, both at the same time, like your, fl- your face flushes, but your whole body is like ice. Was. I was like, this isn't the girl I'm supposed to be meeting. <laughs> and the girl I was supposed to be meeting was sitting behind. Did you know the person you were sitting with? Yes, I knew her, but she was meeting another journalist. So I'd walked in and just seen someone, I seen a familiar face and like on autopilot just went, sat down, started talking. And then it dawned on me, this isn't the person I'm supposed oh to be God, meeting. And I knew so- something fell off with this girl, but I couldn't real. I couldn't, I was like, something felt, maybe she's having a bad day. And then I was like, I'm the I'm bad not day. You, am I? I'm the problem. I'm the bad day. I'm, what's wrong I'm not with you? you, am I? She's like, no, no, I'm meeting Ellie. And I was like, oh, fuck, I am so sorry. Oh and then the girl God. sitting behind, just like, what is going on? But like, didn't want to interrupt, but also like, what is going on? If you, you don't read double booked us, like, so I just had oh to God, like, get my coat back loser. on. I'm just <laughs> get my coat back like on, get my bag back on. And like, okay, I'll see you soon then. Bye. Oh, no mortifying how embarrassing mortifying and I forgot about it and then it was brought back up this week and I was like the podcast needs to hear about this shit when was this this was years ago oh god you've just been sitting with it quietly it's just stuck it's it yeah no it was it was horrifying horrifying because you feel like when it happens, this is something that wouldn't happen to someone else. And to be fair, it probably wouldn't. I do have a lot of like brain farts. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> That's fine. It's just, just a bit slow. Anything for me? Right. Awkward. Oh, my, oh, 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 okay. I, I don't know if my awkward's are my bads. They probably have to be. So I don't, know okay. if you've, uh, I don't know if you know what I've been doing while you've been away, but I redownloaded <sighs> my sleep talking app which records me talking <gasps> yes. in my sleep. Um, oh my God, yes. And I really want to hear this. Tell me you're going to play it. I think I might get in trouble with people for, my having, for people with emetophobia. Well, let's let's do a huge trigger warning. Okay, I'm not playing it just yet. You don't have to go just yet. Okay, I'm not going to play it yet. I'm just going to give you some context if you don't know what's going on. So I downloaded this app called Sleep Talking and it basically records your sleep talking, as the name implies. And I thought that because I do talk in my sleep and I did before I was pregnant, apparently I've been doing it loads since I've been pregnant. So I was like, okay, cool. It'll be interesting. And it has been. But what has been by far and away the most interesting thing about this has been that at five o'clock, roughly every morning, I have retched myself awake. And I kind of know it's been happening throughout the pregnancy because I wake up very sick, but they've become such commonplace. I'm almost sleeping through them. My bad is that last night I choked on, I woke up because I was choking on my sick. Now I have that audio and that is the saddest piece of audio. Now this isn't, you don't need a trigger warning for this one because 
Um, it's just very sad. And I said to Alex, I was like, I'm going to play it. I'm going to put it on my Instagram. And he was like, no, it's too intimate. I was like, fine, I'll put it on the podcast. So <laughs> I'll play the wretching afterwards. But first of all, I just want to play you. This was only at 20 past 11 last night. So I'd only been asleep for about half an hour. So Alex was still awake. Right. As you're about to hear, okay? This is, don't okay. worry if you're scared. It's not a wretch, okay? <coughs> No. What's up? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. so no. sad. <laughs> Are you okay? No. <laughs> What's wrong? Don't know. And then it's just that really sad little burp at the end. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bleak and then like on a serious note I did lie in bed afterwards and I was just like oh my god I'm so, like I'm so scared to sleep and, but it was it was so shit I was like oh my god I'm being so humbled by myself <laughs> oh god love you now can we get the retching one <laughs> yeah okay one there's loads okay so I'm just gonna um say if right now Love you loads. Come back in 30 seconds if you don't like yeah. sex sounds, okay? What was that? my alarm clock 537 uh 515 508 547 how adorable oh my god you poor thing who needs a loomy i you know i i need to i think said a loomy i oh my god i mean i thought at least you get respite when you sleep no 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 there is no respite. Final countdown, baby. We've got like, like we are. She is. You know, we're we're into days. She's, she's, she's intimate now. Intimate. Intimate. She's intimate. Intimate. She's imminent. Oh, bless yeah. you. That this is, is the final fucking rough. It's quite jokes though. Honestly, it's the that's final it. countdown. I'd like to point out that that was M and not me for once. I know, but you're hearing what I'm going through right now. Like it's it's just a mess. I did tell the doctor I had a hospital oh. appointment this morning and I told the doctor and she and they're putting me on even more medication to give me oh God. some more sleep. <laughs> okay, still, okay. Like, so crossed. funny. The good thing is, because I was thinking, oh God, you choke when you're sick, but you lie on your side when you're pregnant, don't you? You can't lie on your back. You're not supposed to lie on your back. Oh God. Okay. And every time I do wake up on my back, I'm like, oh my God. And then I have to like poke the baby and I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then she's like, yeah, get off. And then I thought it was fine. for you. I thought it's because it crushed your organs. No, I, I think it, it crushes the um, the the blood thingy going uh, into her. Into oh, her, I see, I see. Yeah, like placenta, blood, something. Yeah, something like that. Belly button. I think thing. it's my placenta. I don't think it's hers. But like, I'm no, claiming okay, that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I made so. it. Yeah. Mine. Yeah, absolutely. Already <laughs> fighting her over like handbags. Mine. <laughs> mine. <laughs> <laughs> my been borrowing it. <laughs> No, it's fine. She can have it. She can have it. It's fine. Actually, I really don't want it. Oh, 
But yeah. she's so greedy. So greedy already. She, I mean, um, she, ouch, we know how big her tummy is. There is no... Yeah. Like, she has stolen everything. I've got this kid. She has, <laughs> she's like she's like a landowner back in, like, I don't know, like the medieval times. Like, she is, like, stuffing herself. So entitled. I know. And just leaving me and my body just ravished. No, yeah, no, no, I, no, 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 ravished something else. No. No, no. <laughs> I don't think I'm ravaged. Ra- ravaged. No, uh, ravaged. Not ravaged. <laughs> no, wait, ravished. Ra- not ravaged. What's the difference? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, ravaged. no, it's definitely ravaged. <laughs> so, ravished to seize and carry off by force. I think that's what I meant. What's to ravage? Yeah, so you left your body, like, ravaged, like, destroyed. One of yeah, them sexual. Dest- I don't want the sexual one. I think it's ravaged that's sexual, but I don't think ravish makes sense. Why don't we say, leave your body depleted? How about that? <laughs> ravish is a word, though. Yeah. A ravish, like a radish with a V, is to seize and yeah. carry off someone by force. But ravage, yeah. like rav-age is to yeah. cause severe and extensive damage to. I think that's what she's doing to me. Ravaging yeah. me. Is that sexual? No, 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 no. Hang on. People ask, what does it mean to ravage a woman? To pillage or sack something? Or to have vigorous sexual intercourse? I did Fine. not mean ravage, okay? She is depleting you. <laughs> she's leaving you depleted, okay? Yeah. There you go. Well, we've been that was on a, a, that was a, we've been that was a journey. <laughs> Well, on that note. No, you didn't tell me anything bad yet. So, my oh my God, my bad. Talking about young things, young kindlings, baby things. My nephew, who is one and a half, nearly two. That doesn't make sense, does it? He's one and a half, nearly two. He's in between one and a half. One and a half and two. Okay, fine. There you go. I don't know. You do you talk about them in months, don't you? Nineteen months, twenty. No, months. I am not. I am not about the month life. It's a lot. She's it's hard. It's really hard. She's years, and then it's just years. You could tell me that he was one, and that doesn't mean anything more to me than that he's two. I have a lot to learn. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Anyway, he's 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 in that bracket. Um, you know, my little nephew, the the apple of my eye. Like, I love him so much. We spent so much time together. Like. He calls me Akix because he can't say an L yet. So he calls me Akix. It's so sweet. I buy him things because, you know, I'm desperate for his love and affection. Want him to love. Yeah. Um, I want him to love me. And so far he has loved me. And it's like a switch. This Something's little happened. fucker done. I knew it. Something switched. Do you know what? I know what it is, actually. So so when we go to nursery to pick him, I often go to nursery to pick him up, right? Fine. So one day he had this really bad cough. So we wanted to take him to the walk-in centre. And my sister, Jen, who's his mum, um, needed to do some things like call people or, or call 111, I think it was. So she gave me him and he was ill and it was after nursery he was exhausted and he was like just crying for his mom like did not want to be with me just like mommy 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 like get this woman off me like because he just wanted his mom and ever since then every time he sees me he gets this like visceral reaction and he goes no 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 
And I walked in the other day. I was like, I'm, I'm going to come and see Louis after work. Come and say hi to him. I walked in and he looked at me and this like terror in his eyes. He went, no, no, no. And he picked up the nearest thing to hand, which was this little xylophone that I bought him. The absolute cheek that I bought him. And he's got his name on it. And he threw it at me. He lobbed it at me. And it hit me. It reached what me. a little prick. I know. I know. I know. Oh my I know. God. I know. And you can't pick up the xylophone and throw it back again. Absolutely not. No, it's not. No, I don't think that would be. I think it would be frowned upon. But can you believe it? And, and every time since, every time I go on FaceTime to him, no, no. And he's smacking the phone. No. Maybe we should get you a wig. Or we just stick with the nioxin. Maybe as your hair gets better, you'll become less and less recognisable. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> I'm just going to have a big bush on my head. Yeah, by the... Oh, fun. I don't think that's going to help. Um, by the time... Yeah, by the time your mum says your hair looks nice, Louis will be over it. He won't even know... He won't even... They won't recognise you. But, like, I don't know if you can be offended by a, a not-yet-two-year-old. Yeah, it's crushing. But I am. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. offended. I've watched you be, like, properly offended when Betty, like doesn't look at your eyes and for long enough like oh uh, so. yeah no that's that's a whole thing yeah no, that's a whole thing yeah 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 so i'm um, yeah i'm, I'm upset i'm upset i'm uh, i'm crushed i'm crushed actually yeah that's the word for it crushed so there we go if anyone's got any tips on how to make young people love you again without being desperate because it seems like the more desperate i am the more he pushes me away so if anyone's got a bit tips, hard to get stop replying to his yeah. text Maybe. When Just I left, actually, he did... Take another kid. Where can we find you another kid? You, that's what we got to do. The minute this one's out, I'll ship her down. And you just got to yeah, like, really right? pay her a lot of attention yet. Yeah, like, have on yeah. your lap. Or buy her shit. Give her, give her lolly. Yeah, Probably yeah, don't, yeah. But pretend to. And then, yeah. yeah, and then Louis will be like, that little tramp. I'm going to... Yeah. I'm, that's my aunt. I want oh, you, her back. He'll get jealous. Yeah, That's he will. it. That's what Smart. I'm going to do. Oh my God, I'm going to buy games. a doll. This is you know, one of those like, realistic dolls. I'm yes. going to buy one. Yeah. yeah. This is why and we like, read sorry, those toxic no magazines as teenagers so we knew how to make our nieces and nephews and children love us. Exactly. Exactly. We were Just preparing like man, ourselves for the easy. future. Perfect. <laughs> um, my awkward is not my own awkward. My awkward is Alex's awkward. Um, this morning I had yes. to go to a hospital appointment and every time you go to see a midwife, you have to wee in a little tube and they just test your wee and they test it really quickly and then they tell you <clears throat> what's in your wee. And I had a little bit of... Well, <laughs> there was a confusion. Oh. So as we were leaving, they were like, oh, are you whatever? Are you Emily? Um, there was a little bit of leukocide in leukocide in your way. Okay. And Alex was like so confused. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, what do I need to do? Do I need to do anything? And they were just like, no, we're just going to send it for a full test. It's probably nothing. It's very low dose, like it's very low amount. So don't think it matters. Whatever. You know, I'm just flagging it with you, but you'll be fine. And Alex was looking even more concerned. And then I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. And then he was just like, wait, sorry. And then looked at me. He's like, how did you get leukocyte in your way? <laughs> it's like, I have literally had, I've never, I've had one bottle of leukocyte in my whole life. I was like, I, I, I to, to be fair. Like, it's not actual leukocyte. 
food and then they were pissing themselves and then they were like telling their other colleagues like one was like oh he thinks she's got Lucas Aid in her way and then everyone was like ha 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 he was like oh that is so cute (laughs) (laughs) I love that the whole whole time he thought and they were like yeah no we'll just go we'll send it off and just like really make sure and he's like yeah yeah please also it's like nine in the morning like when would when would I like have like sunk a Lucas Aid (laughs) <laughs> I love Funny. that. Oh, I Alex. Know. oh bless him. That's cute. Cringe. That's really cute. Cute. Oh, love to um, see it. Well, love it. This has been fun. Well, but so fun. It's time to end to it. listen to, to an to expert. Uh, yeah, it's it's time a to proper make... expert. A pr- it's, yeah, yeah. A proper Welcome. expert. So we have Elisa Rosenberg on the podcast today, who is we've got a personal collection connection collection connection oh we my have a God. personal collection i wonder what's in the personal collection <laughs> we have a personal connection here today guys because um elisa is the dietitian i started seeing when i w- when things were pretty bad with my eating and she really helped get me out of um binge eating and she contributed to my book as well she helped me with a whole chapter um all about eating and nutrition and we thought with uh january in full swing and and diet fads and diet culture in full swing and people telling us to like cut out carbs and intermittent fast and don't eat sugar and don't eat fat but also eat loads of fat and all the the mountain of shit that we are being bombarded with at the moment we thought it would be good to cut through it by getting a real expert on a dietitian she's a registered dietitian and she's going to explain to us everything we need to know to make proper choices this January proper choices that genuinely fuel us and our bodies and make us feel good and not things that make us feel shit about ourselves stunning enjoy it guys enjoy hi Elisa it's so nice to see you today and so strange to see you in this context it feels like two worlds colliding for me um and I will I will explain why so I've worked with Elisa a lot. Uh, Basically, I started to see Elisa um, when I was really still struggling with my eating. And I was going to a therapist at the time who was insistent that I, you know, I see a dietitian to help me with my eating problems. And I was insistent also that I had solid nutritional knowledge and I knew what a healthy, balanced diet looked like, and I was doing all the right things. And I was absolutely convinced that there was nothing a dietitian could teach me. And I mean, like half a session in with you, and I realized that that was absolutely completely wrong. And I also realized, and I think this will be the case for a lot of people listening as well, is that I realized that uh, that practically all of my nutritional knowledge was... I had gleaned from diet culture and picked up from from all the different diets that I'd done along the way. So I had these I had these beliefs uh, around around nutrition and what I should be eating that were just just false, basically, and and based on misinformation. So that's why it feels like two worlds colliding for me. And when I started working with you and everything shifted for me and I really managed to curb my binge eating which was amazing and just life changing for me, and it was it was all down to you. So I'm so grateful. And then you contributed to my book. We did a chapter together uh, on nutrition, and so I knew in January when we are full 
of diet culture BS when we're surrounded by it and surrounded by all this misinformation and people telling us to do this and do that, cut out this, cut out that and blah, blah, blah. Um, I thought it would be amazing to have you on to kind of cut through the misinformation and talk to us and really help us get a grip on what is a genuinely, and I'm using balanced in a, in the truest form, like, you know, a genuinely balanced diet and that works for us. That was a very long intro, but hi, <laughs> so happy to have you here. <laughs> oh, Alex, thank you so much for that intro. I mean, it's a delight for me to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and it was such a pleasure to have you as a patient. I think that you were, as many of my patients come to see me, you know, really misinformed about what nutrition is, what a balanced diet is, what we should and shouldn't be eating. And I think that's largely attributed to a lot of the pseudoscience out there, where ultimately it's, it's as you say, gleaned from diet culture. And so what I find myself doing day in and day out, I mean, as a specialist eating disorders dietitian, is literally taking apart all of these beliefs that people have around this sort of pseudoscience and actually, you know, talking to them about what the real science is. And, you know, I think in that way, when people start to understand how their body works and what they should be doing and what they should be eating, when they should be eating, how they should be eating, bust all of the diet culture rules. I think people develop a much healthier relationship with food and their bodies. And I think, you know, it's brilliant that you've done that and that you've got such a platform to share your experience and how brilliantly you've done nailing your eating disorder to, you know, the world, really. So well done. Well done on that brilliant oh. book that you've published. And yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and... and we'll get into so i've i put a question uh, box on my story for questions that people wanted to ask you and when i say it is like swamped like absolutely swamped i've had to like cherry pick some of the most popular ones because there's just far too many but before we get into that i actually just wanted to ask you you said that you know you have to uh, you know, when, when patients first come to you, you have to sort of pick apart the beliefs. And I wondered what is the most or like a couple of the most common beliefs that you have to debunk for patients before you can, before they can start to sort of heal their relationship with eating? I mean, I think the biggest one is that it's the carbohydrate story. I mean, I've been a dietitian for a long time and there've been sort of different phases where the media, you know, have vilified different types of nutrients. You know, there was a time where fats were vilified and everybody was going fat-free, you know, low-fat products, light, you know, products. And that's changed. You know, at the moment, more recently, it's been cutting carbs and going carb-free. Then I think that's the biggest sort of myth that I find myself busting at the moment. Because I think that you know, where the media gets it right is that, you know, in, in one on the one hand, having too many carbohydrates is not a good thing because it will get converted into fats and too much fats will result in fat storage in your body, which can cause weight gain. 
But I think the real science that's missing in that message is that you still need some carbohydrate every day at every main meal, because if you don't, your body is going to be lacking its primary source of fuel in order to keep your body functioning. So that's the biggest one I find myself busting all the time. That is the biggest thing, like with this fear of bread that we grew up with. My screensaver on my phone when I was like 14 was a photo of Ryan Gosling and it said, when you eat bread, Ryan gets sad. And we all had it. Like we all, it was like our incentive to not eat toast was like, the fact that we've been making... Ryan Gosling doesn't give a shit if I eat a piece of toast, but, like, it's just mad, like, how scared we are, how scared we've been made to be of bread or of carbs. Absolutely, and I think, you know, a lot of people trying to sell products or books capitalise on that belief and that myth and that sort of, you know, um, cultural sort of belief that, um, you know, many, many diets are based on cutting carbs or having zero carbs because, you know, they want to sell books, products, diets, diet plans, meal plans. Yes. So it's very, very much apparent. But you said just there, sorry, just from my own curiosity, because I know nothing. Like I haven't done it's so bad like my knowledge of food actually I'm gonna I'm gonna be really embarrassed listening like doing this because I yeah I mean I like everyone that came came up at, at during the noughties like I have a, I have a very odd relationship with food and for me my saving grace was exercise because for the I'd started doing like it, real endurance stuff like marathons and ultra marathons and that for me was amazing because I just had to fuel my body and I learned I think a lot of intuitive eating through that because I just became very aware of what my body wanted and needed and it was very good for me and I'm in a really really good place with food now but I realize I still know nothing um so can I just ask what you just said there about how every meal should have a carbohydrate in it why why is that and like what happens if you don't have one in it because now I'm like oh my god what the insta diets that I've been seeing like I always see like gym girls with no potatoes on their plates but that's not right and no that's not that's not right especially if they're not having any carbohydrates at any of their meals I mean and I think that the reason that carbohydrates are so important is because it is the primary source of energy in our body so you know I often sort of describe the human body by using an analogy of a car so if you have a car that needs petrol in order to run The book tells you you need to fill up this car with petrol because that is how the car runs on its fuel. And in the same way, we as a human body, our primary source of fuel is glucose. And glucose ultimately is able to fuel every single cell in the body so that whether it's a brain cell, which allows us to think, whether it's a muscle cell, which allows us to move, you know, every single cell has needs fuel because we're not like plants. Plants don't really need to eat because through photosynthesis, they get exposed to sunlight and, and with water, they can create fuel. But as humans, we can't create our fuel. We have to eat that fuel. And glucose comes from basically carbohydrates. And so in order for your body to function properly, and that includes 
uh, physical functioning so that you're able to walk and move and lift things, mental functioning in terms of your ability to think, uh, process information, memory, uh, good mood, good sleep. Ultimately, all of that requires fuel. And so carbohydrates are essential in order to fuel every single cell in the body. And if you're not getting carbohydrates, your body's functioning starts to change. And it can change in a way that could compromise your physical health and your mental health. And, you know, ultimately, there's some long term sort of side effects, really, of that. Including, obviously, an eating disorder. You know, I have a lot of patients who ultimately are cutting carbs entirely. And that can really become a slippery slope towards a full-blown eating disorder, specifically binging. I remember, I remember, I think we, t- we talked about this in the very first session and I was like gobsmacked, m- mind blown because I thought, you know, I, I mean, I was, yeah, I, I, like Em, you know, grew up in the, the 90s and the noughties and believed that carbs were the devil. And, you know, if you were to have carbs, it would be one meal only and it would have to be a meal during the day. And, you know, it, with the idea that if you had them late at night, they would just sit in you and your body wouldn't metabolize them. And then you would just gain all this weight. And I remember you telling me that, I, that you know, you, you're supposed to eat carbs at every meal and just being like, no way that there was just absolutely no way on on earth and it felt like and I I was convinced that I was going to start eating these carbs and I was just you know I was going to put on so much weight because of it and it's so weird now because like obviously now I eat carbs with every meal and it's so strange to think that I just zero carbs it was just it was mad but that actually leads us nicely into the first question um which was very popular because I think keto has really it's boomed in popularity over the past few years. I feel like it's replaced Atkins, replaced Dukan. You know, there's always kind of like a new thing. When I, as far as I'm aware, it's very similar to Atkins. Um, but a lot of people wanted to know your thoughts on keto and whether it's a sustainable way to live and a sustainable way to eat. Yeah. I mean, what, what the keto diet is, is really a, a low carb almost you know there's different variations of it but ultimately it's limiting carbohydrates um and in some of the variations it also is a high fat diet as well so you know i think that when you start limiting carbohydrates it's it's very risky because your body's blood sugar needs to kind of be stable throughout the day in order for you to function properly. And when you have a sugar dip because you're, you're not having enough carbohydrates, your brain starts craving sugar and carby foods because it is going to go into an overnight fast every night, during which time none of us eat when we sleep. And your body has to have enough fuel in order to keep a heart beating, breathing, all of the functions that our body still needs to do whilst we're asleep, it's got to have some fuel for it. And so when you're cutting carbohydrates, it's typically later in the afternoon and the evening where people start to crave sugary foods and carby foods, which is why people typically have that late afternoon slump where they need a chocolate run or typically come home late at night and have a massive meal on carbohydrates because they have not had that fuel in the day. And so ultimately, 
in order to function properly, our body really needs to have carbohydrates at all of your main meals to keep your blood sugar levels nice and stable throughout the day itself. And some of that sort of fuel that you're giving it from the carbohydrates is put away into a storage known as glycogen. And glycogen is literally our reserve supply of fuel that carries us through the overnight fast so that our body actually is able to function, you know, at night. So I think that, I mean, I, I've been in eating disorders now for 10 years and I have seen thousands of patients come to me with full-blown binge eating as a result of variations of a low-carb diet, whether it's Atkins, whether it's keto, whether it's Ducan, you know, any of some of the intermittent fasting also sometimes limits carbohydrates, you know, and ultimately it's just, you know, it, it has a functional effect on people. Um, and also I think mentally it affects people dramatically because they feel, you know, anybody going on a diet has some feels like they're not good enough in some way. Either they, they're not happy with their body or they're not happy with their image, low self-esteem. And when they go on these diets and they can't do them and they fail the diet, it just further exacerbates that low self-esteem and self-loathing and just really affects one's mental health. So besides all of the physical complications which will happen if you're not having enough carbohydrates and if you're calorie, you know, restricting as well at the same time, it's even worse. You know, you've also got the psychological impact of feeling like a failure. And, you know, it, it's, no, it's no surprise that there's different fad diets that come out every year because if any of the fad diets actually worked, there wouldn't be any room for new ones popping up. You know, but the reality is, you know, the research shows that 95% of dieters regain all of the lost weight within a year to five years. And that's not because people are failing at the diet. It's the diet that's failing people. And so I feel like, you know, keto is just, you know, one of those sort of fad diets because, you know, besides the physical and psychological impact of, you know, falling off the wagon... Um, you know, it, ultimately it's not sustainable. You know, it's very, very difficult to live a, an entire lifetime not having carbohydrates. It's socially restrictive. It's not enjoyable not to be able to have pizzas and pastas and cake and mince pies and Christmas pudding, you know. So I think that besides the physical deprivation, I think there's a lot of psychological deprivation that happens. At some point, you know, people yeah. will give in to temptation and that is going to result in floodgates opening and people potentially binging on food that they haven't allowed themselves, whether it's a week, a month, a year, five years. But, you know, the risk is ultimately there that when you are restricting one of the primary food groups, there is going to have, you know, it's going to be a, I think, Alex, you remember me talking about the pendulum swinging from one extreme to another. And when you cut anything out of your your life, whether it's your diet or anything else, I think that the moment, it's just human nature that when you don't allow yourself something that you enjoy, that's when you want it more. And if, you know, you're, you're sort of 
restricting something to the extreme, it's just going to swing in the opposite direction and you're going to sort of want a lot more of it than normal because you haven't allowed yourself to have it in a long time. It's so true. And I always was convinced that I could control the pendulum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I took it to one end, I felt like I could, no, this is in my power. This is in my control. I don't have to let it swing to the other way. But every single time it swung, it swung right to the other end every single time, because it's like, it's just fighting your biology and that your biological in- instinct, I guess. So it's, it's difficult. 100%. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, I think that so many patients, there's this term willpower and everybody believes that they have solid willpower and if they commit to doing this diet, they'll be able to do it for the next 80, 100 years. But as you say, your physiology is against you because we as humans need our primary source of fuel. If we're not given the primary source of fuel, then your biology changes. And what happens is that with that low blood sugar, your brain starts to crave sugar. It also ramps up up your hunger hormone, uh, which is ghrelin. It makes you feel hungrier. And, you know, we're just geared to prevent starvation and dieting as humans. And what happens on any kind of calorie-restricted diet, if you're not giving your body enough calories that it needs, it will actually slow your metabolism down and prevent weight loss even if you're on extremely low calories, because your body is geared to prevent starvation. And so it kind of, you know, humans have been around for for millions of years. And ultimately, at some point in history, we were hunters and gatherers, and we did have droughts and famines, and there wasn't any food around. And our body had to adapt in order to allow the human race to survive. And so what our body is able to slow metabolisms down in the same way that like a polar bear goes into hibernation in winter, where everything slows down so that it literally is able to use its own stores and survive through winter and, you know, into summer. Um, our body also slows metabolism down if we're, you know, restricting too many calories. And what happens there is that the weight loss will stop. But you'll also start having functional effects 
of that slowed metabolism because basically what happens is it's kind of like a budgeting exercise that your body starts to do in the same way that if you for example had your salary cut in half you would have to think carefully about what you spend your money on in the same way that the human body is going to have to think about well we were getting a normal amount of calories now we're getting a lot less and this has you know been prolonged for a fairly long period of time we have to be really careful about what we're spending those calories on and so it will allow the essential organs to continue to thrive but it will cut off all of the kind of non-essential functions for survival so you know you'll feel colder your hair will get thinner potentially fall out your nails will get brittle your periods might get lighter or stop altogether fertility is affected bone health is affected so you know there is a you know there's the risks involved i think it's really reassuring to hear like a, a professional kind of validate this idea that it isn't just your willpower because particularly on Instagram and I've noticed it so much recently particularly in the fitness space like the amount of gym bros that come in and talk like mansplain this situation as if it is the easiest thing in the whole wide world and you just you just need more willpower just eat less just go into a calorie deficit like whatever it is it's so frustrating because what you're saying makes so much sense the budgeting analogy makes so much sense the pendulum analogy like all of it on a logical level but there is this undercurrent of like well you just need a stronger willpower and it's gonna work and that I mean I've actually found this really a a really my the the pregnancy sickness that I've had I found a very enlightening time because I've been so sick I haven't been able to keep nutrients down and like you were saying my hair's been falling out and breaking and my nails are trash and I I look like shit but I've actually been holding on to quite a lot of weight on my bum and in my legs, which I find fascinating. But it's been the first time that I've been confronted with what my body can do when it's in like survival mode or when it's like doing what it has to do and like it has to hold on to this weight to protect me and the kid, even though I I don't feel like I've had, I don't feel like I've put enough food in to have resulted in the weight gain that I've had. But it's so like, I don't know, it's so comforting to hear after years and years of diet culture for you to explain the physical response and the human, the humanness of this that isn't just willpower. Because, it will, like, it's, oh, I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to say his name, but there's that one guy on Instagram that's just oversimplified this situation so much. And I just really hope that anybody's listening will be who has ever felt like they have failed at a diet can feel so reassured by what you're saying in that your, 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 your body is having this, respo- this human response to what you're doing to it. 100%. I mean, the human body is remarkable. I mean, firstly, Em, you don't look like shit. I think you look like the most glamorous pregnant woman I've ever met. I can't believe you're about to pop. I mean, but, you know, the reality is, yes, I mean, the human body is amazing. And the reason that you are retaining legs and, you know, your obviously your bump and your butt and probably your breasts are are growing as well, is because the body realizes it's pregnant. And those are the most important areas necessary to give birth and then feed your baby. So, you know, at different times, the body is miraculously able to adapt to the situation. But 
you know, in your situation, you haven't been able to eat, not because you are deliberately restricting, but because, you know, you've, you've got hormones which are affecting you to the point where you're not able to keep anything down. And so, yes, I mean, there is a risk that, you know, your hair might be falling out because of those deficiencies, because you haven't been able to sort of keep things down, but it will adapt to make sure that the vital functions of your body are able to sustain your baby and that your baby's development is, you know, not compromised in any way. In fact, there's lots of research that in pregnant women, the, the mum's health will often be compromised to ensure an absolutely normal development of the baby. Oh, this baby's huge. She's fine. I keep saying this to the doctors. I'm like, why? Like, she's so, she's so massive and I'm like, uh, but um, I don't I don't want to derail it talking about the, about the pregnancy because that is specific but I just I think that um, see this I think what my point is that this is the first time that I have ever let my body really like take the wheel I think that's what I'm, I mean like we have been controlling our diets for so long even subconsciously because we have all of these things that we've learned quietly uh, or you know so, read in magazines or just been fed by our parents or mums or whatever and this is the first time that my body's just doing what my body should be doing without all of the other noise because I'm just having to trust my intuition and it's just it's just remarkable that it it's taken this for me to learn such a massive lesson and that I couldn't give myself the grace or the space to just explore what my body actually wanted in another way yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that, um, you know, it's interesting, before social media was around, diets were sold in magazines and, you know, in articles that you had to read, not necessarily pictures. And, you know, I used to have a giggle when I was sort of, you know, on, on the tube or, you know, commuting or whatever, reading some of this sort of um, pseudoscience because how they sold a diet didn't make sense. If you have studied biochemistry or physiology, you will know that everything that we're saying in that article is a biggest load of rubbish. You know, things like, you know, your body turns everything into fat the moment you close your eyes at night. And so if you eat late at night, everything turns to fat. You know, I mean, there's just so much, so much rubbish I used to read in these articles. And I used to have a giggle. And I mean, you know, I had a giggle because you know, I have studied biochemistry at master's level, so I know what the science is and I know what's nonsense. But I think that these days with social media, there isn't even that pseudoscience that is being written anymore because it's just really photos, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why everything feels oversimplified because diets and products are sold with before and after photos at the moment. You know, there isn't actually even, you know, a justification or, or an explanation as to how these work. It's often just like, I did this and it's often endorsed by people that have really good platforms and well-respected people, you know, that, well, I mean, if they did it and that's how they look before and after, well, then it must work. And I think that's, you're absolutely right. I think things have been overly simplified. And, and yeah, going back to what you said, and like this distrust that we have in our own bodies, when really probably intuitively, if we were born without diet culture, we would have an inherent trust in our bodies, right? We would just trust them to do what 
like we trust with pregnancy you know we kind of like trust them to grow a baby like we would just trust them to do and be where they were supposed to be and yet we fight so hard against that in order to look a certain way it's just it's just it's it's really sad so intermittent fasting which you mentioned before and this is something that was really touched on a lot in the questions actually people want to know is it good is it bad and I guess this is difficult because intermittent fasting itself I believe is a is a fat is a fad diet essentially that's been like sold up it's like packaged up and sold as a fad diet but a lot of people saying it I do it I do it unintentionally so I don't eat breakfast because I'm not hungry is it okay to do intermittent fasting unintentionally is it okay to not eat breakfast I guess it's a bit it's quite nuanced this one so I wondered what your thoughts were on this well I mean I think there's a lot of different variations of intermittent fasting you know probably the the two most common ones are the 5-2 diet where for two days of the week, you limit your calories to 500 calories. And then for the other days of the week, you just eat whatever you want. You know, that one is very, very risky because limiting your body to 500 calories a day is is just extremely little. It's nothing. And, you know, if you're doing that, not only are you going to actually feel really tired in the day, hungry, very irritable. I mean, you and I, Alex, have done a lot of uh, work around the symptoms that one would feel when you are having low blood sugar. And, you know, the dizziness, the poor concentration, hungry, irritability, all of that would be happening on a day that you're having 500 calories. You'd also feel really tired, but, you know, I, I think very, you know, if you had a, a birthday to go to a social function, work event, I mean, you wouldn't be able to literally eat anything. Um, so that one, you know, is uh, firstly, most of the data shows that it doesn't work because although it is possible to limit calories to 500 calories, you know, certainly in the short term, I think ultimately one ends up falling off the wagon with that one in the long term because it's just socially restrictive and you just find yourself starving and irritable and all of that. But, you know, I think the the biggest risk to that one is that on the other days when you're allowed unlimited amounts of calories, people basically make up for it and ultimately overeat and potentially binge on those other days. It's kind of like... You know, I have loads of patients that kind of have told me that, you know, Monday was always the diet day. You know, diet starts Monday. And they would ultimately binge on Sunday night knowing that they would be dieting the next day. And I think the 5-2 diet kind of almost encourages that, really, doesn't it? Because if you had to, you know, fast, you know, because, I mean, 500 calories is virtually like, you know, one tiny meal a day. That's it. And if you had to fast on one tiny meal a day and not eat anything, um, you know, you would end up binging, you know, the next day. So it doesn't it doesn't really work in terms of weight loss. Um, and I think it's just not sustainable. People fall off the wagon very quickly because although you might have some willpower to do the 500 calories um, two days a week, I think ultimately it's just too... Uh, psychologically restrictive, socially restrictive, physically you'd feel really awful on it. And so it's just not sustainable in the long term. 
looking at other kinds of um, intermittent fasting, there's the sort of more recent term of intermittent fasting is more like time-restricted fasting. Um, or, t- or not really fasting, it's time-restricted eating, they call it. And time-restricted eating is where you don't have to change what you're eating. You just have to change when you're eating it. And so what, you know, some of the more recent, you know, emerging science around this um, is showing, but it's sort of mainly in, in animal rats and not humans, is that there are some health benefits towards, uh, you know, when you are limiting your dietary intake to around sort of 10 hours a day, 8 to 10 hours a day, and then fasting for the rest of the day, in the sense that it does reduce certain triglycerides and cholesterol levels and lipids. Um, it can improve, like, you know, your insulin, uh, your, you know, glucose control to some extent. And so, you know, if if somebody is sort of naturally waking up later and having a later breakfast and an earlier dinner, well, then it is possible that they do have a window very naturally because the lifestyle allows for it to have a time-restricted you know, eating window of around, you know, 10 hours or eight hours even, it is possible. However, you know, all of the um, time-restricted eating um, podcasts that I've listened to and any kind of articles that I've read, there's always a disclaimer that if, if people are um, have an active eating disorder or a history of an eating disorder that they should not do it because any kind of rule or restriction that impose, that prevents one from actually intuitively eating and doing what naturally feels right for their bodies and you know if it works in the lifestyle too should not be done because again if you are specifically limiting yourself and restricting breakfast and going hungry I think that could catch up with you later on in the day where it could potentially yeah. backfire and result in overeating and binging. So, you know, as a specialist eating disorders dietitian, I certainly do not encourage or endorse um, any kind of, um, you know, time-restricted eating and certainly not any of the sort of uh, intermittent fasting 5-2 diets, um, you know, in any way. Um also, I think if people are doing time-restricted eating to try and lose weight, it may not work. Because remember, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're having too many calories and doing you know, very little movement and your food choices are wrong and you're not having regular meals, even if you do it within an 8 to 10 hour window, you know, your calories are too much, your food choices are wrong, your meals are not balanced, and that's ultimately not going to allow for any kind of weight loss. So I think that, you know, the emerging research is more around the improvement in metabolic functioning that it's showing in terms of reducing, you know, cholesterol and other blood lipids and potentially improving, you know, preventing like pre-diabetes, um, you know, in that sense. But it's certainly, unless you are changing and making sure that you choose the right foods, balance your meals, watch your portions and proportions and all of those other things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to result in any weight loss.
Yeah, it's it's good to hear you say that, you know, if you've ever had any history of struggles with eating, that you shouldn't do things like that. Because I mean, I've I've heard I've seen that science as well about the 10 hour window and about it relating to gut health as well. And, you know, with my IVF uh, embryo freezing stuff, a big focus of that was trying to get my guts healthier. Um, So I've been taking Simprove, which M takes as well, and which you recommended to me as well. Um, And, you know, I I read that about about the 10-hour window improving gut health. And so I started to think, oh, maybe I should do that. It might help improve improved chances of you know getting more embryos or what I don't know you can you can kind of go a bit go a bit far with it but it's actually there was a little like voice in the back of my head thinking like should I should I should I do that or is it going to just you know potentially I mean potentially not but sort of lead me you know down a rabbit hole and I think you're right any kind of restriction to anyone who's sensitive to restriction is not is not is not good it's not it's not wise so it's good to hear you say that and validate that I guess absolutely and in and in you know all of the virtually all of the intermittent fasting fad diet books that I've got you'll see in the you know the introduction the preface of the book it says you know this should not be done by anybody who's got an active eating disorder or a history of it because it can resurrect that yeah so what we touched on in the book and what I wanted to touch on is that I, it was my feeling that a lot of the anti-diet rhetoric on Instagram and the intuitive eating commentary on Instagram, a lot of it centered on, you know, allowing your body the things that it didn't have, you weren't allowing it previously and cutting free of the rules that you'd imposed on your body and on on eating which is obviously brilliant but what I felt was lacking in those you know in in that advice was real nutritional advice on but this is what our body needs and this is what we need you know these are the vitamins that these are the foods that we need in order to to receive the the nutrients and the vitamins that we need um which is what we we touched on in the book as well we kind of went through all the things that we do need like you know why you need carbs and fats and all of that and i wanted to ask you a lot of people ask this in the questions as well as how ca- how can we eat healthily i'm saying that for lack of a like a, a better word how can we eat healthily without making sure that we're falling into the diet spiral how can we separate out you know eating he- healthily and fueling our bodies and making sure that we feel you know good and that we are actually focusing on ourselves without that having anything to do with diet culture or or weight loss or anything like that how do we make the two sort of independent i mean i think that i mean there's there's sort of four main or maybe five main points that i always talk about when i am working with a patient to try and share what a healthy relationship with food is and what a healthy you know, intake is. Um, I mean, the first thing is that, you know, we've got to be eating regularly in the day because in order to remain in control of our food intake and to allow our body to function optimally, we've got to be eating regularly, which is why I have, you know, this, this problem with some of these intermittent fasting diets is that, you know, it's kind of like, and and I use this analogy a lot in, in clinical practice is, you know, 
if you are expecting to drive your car to wherever it needs to go, you've got to make sure you've got regular pit stops along the way in order to top it up with fuel. And in the same way, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we have things that we need to do, be places, we've got to think, we've got to talk, we've got to move. Um, and most importantly, our internal organs have to function and make sure that we stay alive and remain healthy. And it needs to do that by being fueled regularly. So I think regular eating is critical. And, you know, often when I ask patients, are you eating regularly in the day? They often misinterpret my question to be, are you having breakfast, lunch and dinner? But even if you are having breakfast, lunch and dinner, that may not mean that you are eating regularly because actually it's the time period that's most important. It's not actually, you know, the number of meals you're having. So I think that to function optimally, we need to be eating something every three to four hours because the way in which the body digests food and releases glucose into our bloodstream means that, you know, by the time three to four hours have passed, that blood sugar is no longer there in the bloodstream because it has been, you know, swallowed up by the cells in order to function and do whatever they need to do, whether it's brains to think, muscles to move. And so you need to kind of top up every three to four hours. That's most important. And ultimately, it it, it varies. You know, a, a person that's waking up really late might have their first meal of the day at, at midday, and that's okay, because they'd probably be going to bed a lot later too. So, you know, I don't think that you have to eat in the morning. I think whatever time that you wake up, ideally, you should be eating something soon thereafter. And then, you know, every three to four hours after that, until you go to sleep and hopefully you're sleeping around, you know, seven hours, uh, you know, seven to nine hours. And that is what regular eating is. So regularity is, is the most important thing that I always start off with because that talks to blood sugar control. And when your blood sugar levels are nicely balanced, it just allows for proper, you know, health, good mood, um, good physical health internally. And also, you know, just, um, you know, cognitive you know ability to sort of think process information uh, memory and all of that the second thing that I talk about is balance and you know balance means that you know a lot of these fad diets cut out whole food groups so they say you know don't have any carbs or historically it was don't have any fats um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, some of the other diets like, you know, um, paleo diets, cutting out dairy, you know, whenever you have something which tells you to cut out a food group, you should avoid it. It should be a red flag and that should signal to you fad diet because every single food group has a function. And so, you know, you've got to make sure that you're having all of the different food groups. And the third point is you need to have them in the right proportions. And that's key. So your portion sizes are really important of those foods that you're having. And the proportions of all of the food groups in a day is also really important. Um, I do a lot of work and obviously it's sort of, we don't have time to really go into the detail, but within each food group, there are better choices to have than others, both in terms of health, but also in terms of making you feel full and satisfied and keeping you in control of your eating, especially if you have a tendency to overeat or binge eat 
Um, some are definitely better than others. Um, so we've got regularity, we've got balance, we've got portions and proportions. And then I think I talk a lot about, you know, I have a lot of patients that use food, um, you know, to cope with stress or negative emotions. You know, they, they sort of resort to food as a coping mechanism. And in that way, they end up using food and eating food when they're actually not hungry. So I think what's really important is for people and, and, and you know, it's a good exercise if you are struggling with loss of control with eating or ending up overeating or binging and having, you know, unplanned snacks and whatever, um, that you start making a note, doing some self-monitoring, you know, journaling um, about whether you're feeling hungry um, or not, and also what are you feeling? Because very often, you know, people tend to find that things like anxiety, low mood, work stress, loneliness, all of those can cause, you know, uncomfortable feelings. And very often people escape from those feelings by resorting to food or binging. And part of the work that I do is helping people to develop better coping strategies to deal with those negative emotions or deal with anxiety and stress so that they don't resort to using food as a coping strategy. And so, you know, they, that's sort of also a really important point uh, to mention. Um, and then I think the last thing, which I think is quite individual, is that people have to really think about, well, what are these rules that they've grown up to believe? And, you know, I've had so many that have come our way having worked with patients for so long that we have to unpick so in the same way that i used to unpick the pseudoscience on the tube reading magazines about science that just you know it doesn't make any sense biochemically you know we have to unpick some of these beliefs that people have that have been ingrained in their belief system either because they're role modeling siblings, parents, whatever, and their sort of disordered eating behaviors, or whether it is something that they've read or, you know, um, it, we've, we've got to really unpick it for each individual and, and start to create new neural pathways and new beliefs that actually work. Can I ask a, a question, jumping like way back to um, the first point you made? You said about um, how we need all the food groups. Can I ask if processed sugar counts in that as well? What do you mean by processed sugar? God, I have no idea. I just, I, I don't know anything. Um, I guess I mean like, because I think sugar has been really vilified as well in that, I mean, I remember a time when people told me not to eat bananas because that had too much, um, that had too much sugar in it, but obviously that's not processed. And then I think processing by definition means anything that's been altered from its natural state. So I suppose that would be loads of different types of sugar. But I guess when I'm saying sugar, I'm processed sugar, I'd say like full fat Coke or like Tang Fastics or like, you know, any of the like the, the stunning stuff that would be deemed unhealthy or synth synthetic sugars, maybe. Yes. So, so you're referring to something known as sucrose. Sucrose is effectively sugar that you find in a bag of sugar that you bake with, that we, you know, um, oh, yeah. it's labeled sugar. That's sucrose. Sucrose is a combination of glucose and fructose together that 
is not inherent in a food per se. So, you know, for example, the, the banana is actually just fructose. That's a fruit sugar. That's a naturally occurring sugar. That's not a processed sugar. And it behaves very differently uh, than sucrose. So when you're having sucrose or sugar from a bag that's added to products, like to make processed foods like biscuits and pastries and whatnot, you know, that processed sugar um, is is not necessarily bad for you because if you have a look at the Eat Well Guide, which is endorsed by the NHS and, um, you know, Public Health England, there is a place for processed food, which, you know, is often called fun food, um, treat, you know, occasion foods like, you know, chocolates and, and biscuits and cupcakes and all of that. As long as you don't have them in excessive quantities, it's absolutely fine. You know, and I think that having worked in the eating disorder space and disordered eating space for a very long time, I encourage people to have some of these fun foods or processed foods with some sugar in it because they're enjoyable. Most people like them. They're often around in, you know, birthday parties, work events, leaving dues, celebrations, whatever. And it's just normal to participate, you know, if everybody's, you know, if you're handing out cake to everybody that you accept a piece of cake and enjoy it. So, you know, I definitely think that there is a place for processed sugar. I think that I have had thousands of patients who have gone, you know, clean eating and eliminated all kinds of processed sugar and sugar containing foods like those chocolate sweets, pastries or whatever, and ended up binging on them and developing binge eating disorder. Again, because of that psychological deprivation of foods that they like, but for whatever reason, they have led themselves to believe that they should not be having them at all. So I think cutting them out is not a good idea. I think having them in small quantities is very good because it allows you to enjoy your food, participate in social functions. And also, you know, at the end of the day, when you allow yourself something, you don't really want it as much. You know, human human nature is by definition, you know, the moment we don't allow ourselves something, that's when we want it. And so I think it's important that you give yourself permission to have those foods because then they're not going to sit on that pedestal and mm. you're not going to want them and lose control on them. So I do think there's a place for processed sugar. Certainly in my world, anybody that's got a history of dieting, um, concerns about their weight and shape, any disordered eating behaviors, any diagnosed eating disorder, definitely think that there is a place for those fun foods. I, and I actually like, and, and, sorry to keep going back to my experience but to like uh illustrate it like in in situ as well when you know before I started seeing you I thought processed sugar really bad bad for you can't eat it don't eat it so I wouldn't eat it and like you said I would those were the things that I would binge on when I did when I had my binges and then when I started seeing you and you encouraged me to have those things in like normal portions like every day or you know just have a little bit of, of something like when I felt like it and it really does it's magic to see how it then stops this because I would be previously I would like I would dream about all these 
all these sweet treats and all these like cookies. I wanted cookies and and chocolate and cakes and 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 I think that's what is was so good about working with you as well is that you really encouraged all those things and like t- took away the took away from seeing those things in a bad light while also still making me realize that like it's not good to only eat those things you know like that's not that's not good for me that doesn't make me feel good I mean you're so right I mean I I, I on my website I've written my uh, a blog about how I developed a healthy relationship with food and in it I say that I have a lovely ritual every night after dinner when Chloe's asleep in bed my husband and I have a cup of tea and we have some chocolate you know I love chocolate you know it's just my enjoyable sweet food and I love milk chocolate, you know, I'm not talking about this 90% dark chocolate. I mean, I just, that's, yeah. you know, for me, it's not enjoyable. You know, chocolate to me has to be milk chocolate. I have some yeah. chocolate every night. And, you know, some nights I actually just don't fancy it. I just don't feel like it. But most of the time, I, you know, I have a little chocolate and, you know, and that allows me to, um, you know, the reality is, is, I've never, ever had a poor relationship with food. You know, I was very privileged to have grown up in a very normal household where my mother just instinctively brought us up to be intuitive eaters. And, you know, I I actually developed a healthy relationship with food as a child because of how my mother brought me up. And she wasn't a nutritionist in any way. She was a teacher. She was almost, you know, I sometimes think I don't, I don't actually know how she got the knowledge that she did. But the way in which she brought me up was ultimately aligned to all of the science that I have since learned in my, you know, um, bachelor's, nonas and master's and all of my experience as a dietitian. But, you know, we were, there were no bad and good foods in our household. We just, we had everything and nothing was off limits. And for me, nothing was off limits in my house. And that includes chocolate, which is my love. It's my weakness, but I never lose control over it because I just give myself the permission to have it whenever I want. And I don't really have time during the day. At the moment, my days are mad because I see five or six patients a day. I do school drop off, I do school pick up. I've got a three-year-old, so I'm really, you know, I don't really have time to, you know, um, sit down and have a cup of tea and a chocolate during the day. But I would, I would absolutely have chocolate and a cup of tea in the day if I had time. But for me, I enjoy it most at night when I actually just, you know, are able to process the day. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. so it's not that you have to limit it to having it at night. Just have it whenever you want it and enjoy yeah. it. And it's important to have foods that you enjoy because if you allow yourself, you'll be able to limit the portion of it and you won't lose control. Love that um so a quick we we've taken up a lot uh well we need to wrap up quite soon but a few quick fire questions if we can or quick fire ish because i maybe these these answers uh (laughs) need a bit more info but uh is white bread evil it is not evil it is a complex carbohydrate which allow which is you know ultimately broken down to glucose which fuels your body so it's not evil but there are better types of bread that you can choose which are just better for your health and will keep you fuller for longer okay is is juice nutritious and i think this comes from um people saying that when you uh break down the the when you juice the fruit that it breaks down the fiber in the fruit yes so i i think 
I mean, there's juice and there's juice. So if you're talking about just pure fruit juice, where which is made by just fruit that you juice in a juicer, ultimately yeah. what happens is that if you have a juicer, you'll notice that a lot of the fiber, which is known as pith, you know, the orange pith, it sort of gets yeah. shed to one side of the juicer. And then the actual liquid goes into your glass. Now, the fruit itself is very nutritious. Uh, it doesn't have any added sugars. Talking to Em, it, it's not a processed sugar. Um, but when we actually eat fruit, you know, we're often satisfied on, you know, one orange, maybe maximum two. In order to make a glass of fruit juice, you need like four to five oranges. Now, none of us would eat four to five oranges in one go. We'd actually feel physically sick because it's just too much of that naturally occurring sugar. And that fiber, that pith, we don't get in a glass. It's sort of set aside. And so I think that it is too much, you know, to have too often. But prudent guidance suggests that a 150 ml glass of pure fruit juice is absolutely fine to have um you know, and it counts towards one of your five a day. So okay. it's fine to have, but in moderation, um, but try to prioritize whole fruits and veg because you have the fiber as well, which is filling and also have a, it has a lot of other health properties in terms of gut health and cholesterol. And yeah. Nice. Okay. And speaking of five a day, is that still considered the ideal? It's considered the minimum ideal. There's a lot of more recent research, you know, specifically linked to cancer prevention, especially, and also gut health and the microbiome, which tells us that we should be having more than that. You know, studies are sort of, you know, seven to nine, you know, fruits okay. and veg a day. So I think the more the merrier there, especially yeah. prioritizing vegetables and try to have a variety. So I always talk about eat the rainbow with patients. Don't just have greens. You know, you've got to have reds and purples because different fruits yeah. and vegetables have different um, health properties in them. Okay. Um, sweeteners, are they okay? So much conflicting advice and conflicting information about sweeteners. Are they okay to eat? I, I think that is quite an individual question and it depends who I'm talking okay. to. Um, so, you know, and also, I mean, there's so many different types of sweeteners out there. Some are very chemical and artificial. Some are more natural, naturally derived from plants. So I think that one is, is quite difficult to unpack here. And I think it's quite an individual answer because it depends what one's goal is. Is there any point in taking vitamins? Yes, I definitely think that there's a point in yes. taking vitamins. Okay. Em, I'm looking at you. I think, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're having vitamins. I mean, prenatal vitamins are essential. I mean, you know, folic acid is critical, yeah. um, even, you know, uh, during pregnancy especially. Yes, I think there's a place for vitamins. Again, I think it's quite an individual thing. When I, when I assess patients, I look at what they're currently eating to determine whether there are any, you know, uh, a very apparent um, deficiencies that would be, uh, you know, warrant taking uh, vitamins and mineral supplements. Um, you know, for example, um, uh, you know, with us being in the Northern Hemisphere, we don't have much sunlight at this moment in time. I, you know, always recommend a vitamin D supplement to patients, you know, even if they do have a perfectly well-balanced diet and they don't have any disordered eating and they're getting enough foods and, 
you know, everybody needs to take vitamin D because we need it for a whole host of reasons and we don't have the exposure to light in order for our skin to synthesize it itself. So yes, there's definitely a place for vitamins, but again, it's an individual thing. Okay. Amazing. So much information. Thank you so much. It would be so nice to wrap up with something that, I mean, when I was really, really, when I was really in the depths of like struggling with my eating, it was such a painful and confusing and really horrible place to be and I wondered if you could talk to anyone who is struggling with their eating right now what you would say to them sort of top line advice or or yeah just something yeah ideally what you'd say to them well I mean I would say to them that if they are currently on some kind of fad diet and they're struggling with it the problem is not with them the problem is with the fad diet and that fad diet is going to not only undermine their health, but I think it's also going to undermine their self-esteem, affect their mood, cause them to feel guilty and stressed, and it's just not worth it. So if you're on a fad diet, get off of it. And consider embarking on a healthy, you know, um, you know, use this new year to make positive resolutions for one's health, you know. And, and, and that is definitely getting off the fad diet, start eating regularly, include all of the food groups, uh, have a look at the Eat Well Guide as a starting point, uh, which shows you what all of the food groups are and which ones to prioritize, and start getting those in as part of regular meals in the right proportions. And, you know, I think that there's always benefit to doing some self-monitoring, figuring out, you know, why you think you might be losing control. You know, very often it is just because somebody is on a fad diet that they're struggling to, that they're feeling out of control, they're hungry all the time, they end up binging and all of that. And it, and it may be just, you know, um, the, you know, throwing out the fad diet is all they need in order to regain control of their food. But if they, you know, if it's a bit more than that, and it's linked to, you know, certain emotions, past trauma, difficult relationships, stress at work, that's causing them to resort to food to cope, start you, you know, doing do some journaling, figuring out, you know, our feelings linked to their eating habits, because that's another sort of big area that I think, uh, is a reason why people lose control. So I think it's about getting off the diet, following my sort of top uh, four tips in terms of trying to embark on a healthy strategy, and then figuring out perhaps is it emotional stuff that's causing you to lose control. And if it is, you know, seek support, recovery is possible. You know, I've, I've seen thousands of patients with full-blown eating disorders. They have had since they were, I mean, I work with patients as young as 13 and they've recovered fully. So recovery is possible. And sometimes you just need to reach out for support. And, you know, it's, it's often the hardest thing to do to admit that one has a problem but, you know, take that step, reach out for support because recovery is possible and you can develop a healthy relationship with food, even if you have years and decades of very disordered uh, eating behavior or even a full-blown eating disorder. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Elisa. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me. I've got a website, uh, elisabrosenberg.co.uk. And I'm also on Instagram. So, yeah, I mean, if people need support, I am around. I have a practice in London, but I also obviously do a lot of remote consultations if appropriate. And, yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at at the Thank moment. Thank you. Brilliant. And we'll put your Instagram in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. And I do hope that you feel much better, Em, and good luck with the most exciting time of your life. And Alex, you are a total inspiration. Keep doing what you're doing. It's been a pleasure to work with you. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. I'm happy to always answer any questions that your audience wants to chat about. And if you obviously ever need support, as you know, <laughs> you are you so always much. able to contact me, WhatsApp me. Yeah, with the greatest pleasure. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you, Elisa. Should I delete that is part of the ACAST Creator Network. 